For a long time, I was a slave in Egypt. And everything about their life is that they were a slave in Egypt. I was a slave in Egypt. I didn't have a normal childhood. It was horrible. Listen, their enslavement in Egypt was horrible, but it became the place of God's deliverance. And if you're in Christ, what you find is that God has this amazing ability to be the deliverer of us in the midst of hard situations. Your history is yours. It's what's made you who you are. It may have been great, but for many people, the past is checkered with hurt and heartache. In his message today, though, Pastor Daniel urges you to look at your past through God's eyes. Look for the places where he's touched your life. Those moments of, yes, it's hard, but God came through. And let that be a reminder the next time you face a season of heartache. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Deuteronomy chapter 29 as he begins his message, Time to Renew. All right, let's open up in our Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 29. Deuteronomy 29, as we continue our study, as slow and as leisurely as it may be, through the book of Deuteronomy. I'm starting to get, find myself getting nostalgic. We've been studying the five books of Moses, what we call the Pentateuch or the Torah. It's been over five years now. We're almost done with the fifth book here. And it's been an amazing journey. And literally, the entire five books of Moses is really about the journey of the people of God ultimately into the promised land. And then, you know, by the time the book of Joshua comes and they enter the promised land, then it's about their life within the promised land, coming and going and all these different things. So this has been a rather long journey. But what's beautiful now is in chapter 29, really the book of Deuteronomy is coming to a close. And today I've called this message a time to renew. Because what's going on now is the children of Israel are going to be asked by the Lord to renew their vows, to renew their commitment to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to the covenant that God made. And in a lot of ways, every single day for you and I, we have to re-up on our commitment to say, I want to be a follower of Jesus. Because you realize that yesterday's amazing moment with And walking with Jesus and testimony does not necessarily mean that today will be a great moment. You know, every single day has its own sets of issues and challenges, own sets of temptations. And each one of us needs to kind of re-up in the reality of who we are in Christ. Now, I'm not saying that we could lose our salvation if we have a bad moment. I mean, if that was the case, none of us would have our salvation. You know, nobody can snatch us out of his hands. But that desire to say, God, I want to honor you. I want my life to be for you is so important. And for the children of Israel, it's time for them to recommit, to renew their part of this covenant that's been made. So let's just jump right on in. In Deuteronomy 29, verse 1, it says this. These are the words of the covenant which the Lord commanded Moses 
to make with the children of Israel in the land of Moab, besides the covenant which he made with them at Horeb. Now Moses called all Israel and said to them, you have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land, the great trials which your eyes have seen, the signs and those great wonders. Yet the Lord has not given you a heart to perceive and eyes to see and ears to hear to this very day. And I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not worn out on you. Your sandals have not worn out on your feet. You have not eaten bread, nor have you drunk wine or similar drink, that you may know that I am the Lord your God. And when you came to this place, Sihon, king of Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, came out against us in battle, and we conquered them. We took their land and gave it as an inheritance to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Therefore, keep the words of this covenant and do them that you may prosper in all that you do. Now, the idea here is they are now renewing the covenant that they made at Horeb. Now, you have to realize this all begins first that Moses goes back and he reminds them of their history. And if you read your Bible, you will find perpetually from Genesis to Revelation, there's a constant rehearsal of the Exodus narrative. It comes up over and over again. I am the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, and this is what I did. Why? Because the story of the children of Israel happened in real time, in real circumstances, and God is always looking to remind them, I am the one who did this, who delivered you from the bondage of Egypt. And in a lot of ways, it speaks of the power of the testimony. Each one of us, we have a history. Each one of us has a story. God has led each one of us on a journey. And maybe yours isn't, I am the God who delivered you out of enslavement in Egypt, but I am the God who brought you out of your sadness or brought you out of your brokenness, or I'm the one who brought you out of feeling like nobody cares about you. And you know that I care about you because I did this in your life and I did this in your life. See, each one of us has a story. Every single human being has a story, but for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we begin to see our history as his story. We begin to see our lives. We see the fingerprints of God in our story. And that changes the complexion of that story. See, you could imagine for the children of Israel, had it not been for the Lord, that they could spend their entire lives being like, you know, for a long time I was a slave in Egypt. And everything about their life is that they were a slave in Egypt. I was a slave in Egypt. I didn't have a normal childhood. It was horrible. Listen, their enslavement in Egypt was horrible, but it became the place of God's deliverance. And if you're in Christ, what you find is that God has this amazing ability to be the deliverer of us in the midst of hard situations. I know for my story, where I had come out of not growing up in a godly environment in a Christian home, God can always say, I am the God who brought you out of addiction. I am the God who brought you out of feeling that nobody cared about you. You had a million friends, but nobody knew you and nobody cared. And I'm the God who brought you out of a life of drugs and all this stuff. And he's like, and I brought you this way. And I'm like, he is the God who did that to me. And that's my story. And you have your story. And the children of Israel have their story. And Moses once again says, this is what God has done. Why? 
because God's working in your past will give you a clue to some of what God wants to do in your future. See, if God delivered you by a mighty hand historically, then you can trust that God can deal with what's in front of you. I think what happens is we have no problem celebrating God's deliverance in the past, but we do struggle to read it forward that my God can deliver me in this next struggle that I have. And I bet there's many of us here right now, God has done amazing things in your history, but right now you are choosing to fear. You're choosing to not trust. I've been thinking about this. I was talking with a friend of mine about the idea of stress. I heard someone say that stress is the word sophisticated people use for fear. Because we're too cool to say that we're fearful, so I'm stressed. But when you think, it's pretty powerful if you think about it that way, right? Everyone's like, oh, man. But perfect love casts out fear, doesn't it? See, so what God wants to do is because of the children of Israel's history, they should be able to look at the things in front of them and say, my God was able to deliver me with a mighty hand from Egypt. He's got what's in front of me. And it causes you to think differently about your future. But what happens is, is although we may have experienced God's deliverance in the past, we have a tendency to be concerned about the future. But when you see what God has already done in your life, your future is pretty rock solid, isn't it? That the God who delivered you from the biggest trials and struggles of your life will lead you into tomorrow. And that's why you're going to see this all through the scriptures, this rehearsal of what God has done. Look what it says in verse 2. You have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all of his servants and to all of his land, the great trials which your eyes have seen, the signs and those great wonders, yet the Lord has not given you a heart to perceive and eyes to see and ears to hear to this very day. Now, what's going on here is this. Remember that because of the rebellion of the children of Israel, when they refused to go into the promised land 40 years before, the generation who was older than the age of 20 perished in the wilderness. So the group of people that Moses is talking to now, they were people who were either younger than 20 when all this went on. So so maybe they're in their 50s and 60s, but they were younger when the deliverance of Egypt happened, from Egypt, or they weren't even there. And he's saying, look, you guys... Some of you, you saw this stuff, but you didn't quite understand what was going on. And I think that's a powerful reality, isn't it? That sometimes God works, and it takes us some time to understand exactly what it means. Like, it's, you have this experience, and that experience is like a seed that gets planted in your heart. But that seed does not germinate and blossom to fruitfulness for a while. And you ever, when you read something like that, have you ever just been like, Lord, remember that thing? Will you let that thing blossom in my heart? And what is this? God's wisdom comes in time. It comes with time and reflection and prayer. And I think for a lot of us, it's one of the struggles we have in the world that we live in today because everything's so busy and hectic that we don't actually have the time to stop and allow certain events to really marinate, to be able to pull all the wisdom that God has for us out of these events. So in some ways, what I want to encourage you to do is, I mean, think about the children of Israel. I mean, no doubt they thought about these things for years, but he's like, your eyes didn't really get it. You didn't really hear it. Your eyes didn't really perceive it. I found myself just being like, Lord, I want to 
learn all that you have for me from the experiences of my life. I don't want to leave any field unmined. I don't want to allow anything to pass that doesn't have spiritual nourishment for me. So it caused me to stop this week. I grabbed that verse and I'm like, I'm going to pray about some things. And I started thinking about, and for me, I was praying about unresolved areas. You know, whether it's a relationship that got strained or something that went on that when you think back to a, a situation, you're like, yeah, that didn't sit right. Why didn't it sit right? Lord, what are you doing? And I just want to encourage you to make some space in your life for that. Because even though the children of Israel, they were in the wilderness for 40 years, he's like, yeah, you guys didn't really quite get it. You don't get what really went on yet. It hasn't come together for you. But notice, from there he goes on, look what it says in verse 5, and it's really quite beautiful, because it talks about God's providence and his provision. It says, I have led you 40 years in the wilderness, right? And your clothes have not worn out. Your sandals have not worn out on your feet. You have not eaten bread, nor have you drunk wine or similar drink, that you may know that I am the Lord your God. I mean, ever think about that? How many of you are wearing the same exact shoes that you were wearing 40 years ago? Same clothes. Some of you are like, I wish I had the clothes I had 40 years ago. They're all back in style. You know, I could sell them on eBay and make a killing, you know? But the idea, he was like, look, you were in the wilderness. I led you, and everything that you needed, it all worked. Your sandals never wore out. Your clothes never fell apart. Not only that, you didn't have bread or wine. Why? Because he's like, I'm raining manna down from heaven six days a week. I'm miraculously feeding you. I mean, what a powerful testimony. But you know what's amazing? When I think about this, the only time we realize how powerful God's provision is, is when we are in poverty. You only learn how faithful God is when you have no resources. And it's a bummer, isn't it? Like, I think about that. I'm like, man, I always say we never grow the most on the sunny days, but I kind of wish we did. Because I like, I prefer the sunny days. But it's like the children of Israel learned God's amazing provision when they had no way to provide for themselves. And God's like raining manna down from heaven. And that should sustain them. Everything they needed was provided. They were thirsty and they would bring water out of a rock. I mean, we studied this stuff together. We talked about how powerful that is. And I think for some of you right now, you're in that situation where making ends meet is not easy right now. But this is the season where God wants to show you his miraculous provision. I think about Lynn and me. We talk about our story. I'll never forget when we got married. Oh, man. We fell in love and... I remember at the time I was planning a church in New Jersey. I'd been there for just about 18, 19 months. So it was a church of about 30 people. And I was working at a restaurant as a waiter to make ends meet, you know? And I remember, you know, like I'm getting married and I'm like, man, my earning prospects are pretty lousy right about now, you know? I started thinking like, if this is my daughter, like I'm like, so how are you going to provide for my daughter? Why I work at, I do the lunch shift at this Mexican restaurant, I bring home some extra food, you know. I get a discount on bulk food, and, you know, I pass this church, 30 people in it. It's a great church. It's going to be an amazing church. But, yeah, there's none of us, and there ain't no money in that either, you know. And it's like, but it works, you know. And I'll never forget, we got married, and I remember the first time Lynn went grocery shopping, I almost lost my hair. 
I'm a guy, so it's like I'm living on like a can of tuna fish and bags of rice, like five pound bags of rice were on sale. I'd buy 10 of them, you know? And every once in a while, I'd buy like when tuna fish was on sale, I'd buy like a case of that stuff, you know? And so, and Lynn was like, man, I can't live like this. And so she went grocery shopping. I'm like, how much did you spend? And she's like, oh, I spent $120. I'm like, that's like two months grocery money. And I'm in my budget. And she got scarred because I got, was like really like, I'm like, you got to go bring all that stuff back, you know? Like, I can't afford this. That poor girl, you know? She didn't know what she was getting into with me. But I, and I'll be honest with you, though. God's provision in those years was some of the most miraculous. Like, I remember one time I had a, one of my close buddies, his wife was pregnant, and they found out that the umbilical cord was wrapped around the baby's leg, and so they wanted to do surgery, but the insurance company wouldn't cover it because it's cosmetic. It's not life-threatening. So imagine, imagine this. So my friend's just like, man, I don't know. We're, you know, we're going to do a fundraiser. How much money do you need? He's like, man, well, we need about six grand to get this surgery done. And so like I, me and Lynn talked about, we're like, well, all right, we got an extra 600 bucks in the bank. Like if we had a baby and that, what would we want? Like Jesus said, right? Like do unto others, you have them do unto you. So we're like, we took that, we like wrote all the money in the bank. We're just like, here you go, right? And the next day I got this crazy bill, you know, like you just gave all your money away and you get this horrible bill where you're like, oh. So what do we do? Young families, you know, she's going to therapy because of the grocery bill and <laughs> we just gave away all of our money and all of a sudden this crazy bill comes and I'll never forget. I remember reading in the Bible in the book of Isaiah, that king who received that nasty letter from that general and just laid it before the Lord. He said, Lord, I don't know what to do with this, so you got to take care of this. And so we took that big nasty bill and we said, Lord, we gave away all of our money. Like, <laughs> like what are we doing, Lord? We can't handle this bill. Can you handle that bill? And I'll never forget because it must have been four days later, five days later, right? All of a sudden, Lynn's like, I'm with the mail. And she's out there. And, and all of a sudden, I hear her gulp and kind of start to weep. And I'm like, are you okay, sweetie? She's like, oh, Daniel, you have to see this. And we walked over there. She's standing in the doorway with tears streaming down her eyes. And she has a card open. And it's from this older sister who we had known when we were in California. Now we're living in New Jersey. And this lady says, five days ago, I was praying for you guys, and the Lord told me to send you this gift. I just hope you're well. We haven't seen you in a while, but we're trusting that God's doing a great work in your guys' life and through your life. And so we love you. God bless you. And there was a scripture verse on there. And it was like, for the amount of money, for the bill, plus grocery, money and treats. You know what I mean? <laughs> and when that happens, you're like, God, you are so ahead of this thing. God is ahead of it. But the only time you learn that is when you need to know that God is ahead of it. And it's the downside of the wonderfully affluent culture we live in. And even the most impoverished among us is doing real. I mean, poverty in America still involves heat and blankets and a cell phone and all these things. And I'm not knocking. I know there's significant issues, but it's like we're so blessed. And I think for some of you right now, you're here listening to this because God wants to remind you that he is faithful and that he will provide. But we only learn it when we need his provision. If you can provide for yourself, you just provide for yourself. And for the children of Israel, they 
experienced in very powerful ways God's provision. And he said to him, look, everything you needed, you had. Nothing went wrong. Also, you have God's provision in, in regards to these kings, Sihon, the king of Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, who we read about in the book of Numbers, and also in Deuteronomy 2 and 3. You know, and the idea here is they conquered this land. And remember, they're on the east side of the Jordan. So remember, the tribe of Reuben, the tribe of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they are settling on this east side of the Jordan. The promised land is technically on the west side of the Jordan, but they wanted to be on the east side. And so God said, yes, you can stay but when they go over to take that other land, you have to go with them, but this land can be yours. And so they're standing literally on this land that has already been given to them. And then we're reminded in verse nine, of course, that they need to keep the words of this covenant and they need to do them that they may prosper. And this is so important. It's not just about knowing the word. It's also about living the word out. That's why in the New Testament, God inspired the book of James, to remind us that true faith has feet on it. It's lived out. It's not enough just to know the word. Faith without works is what? It's dead. That's why we know it that way. See, we don't get saved by the works. We always have to make sure, the Apostle Paul wrote lots of letters to make sure we realize your works don't save you, but we have a faith that works. We don't do things so that God is happy with us. God is happy with us, and we respond to God's joy and relationship by living a certain way. And our faith is not devoid from the way that we live. Our faith actually is the motor or the engine that drives how we live. And because of your faith in Jesus, your life is supposed to be different. You have a different set of values. You have a different set of things that you care about. The economics of your heart and your relationships function differently. Why? Because the foundation of who you are is grace and mercy, even though you didn't deserve it. And so you move into every situation and you say, I did not deserve the grace that I am experiencing. And because I don't deserve it, I'm going to treat people in ways that they don't deserve. And it's a totally different way to live. So we have to make sure that we are not making the mistake of being people who hear the word and don't do it. That we're not making the mistake of being people who know what it says, but we are like, do as I say, not as I do. Because God wants our faith to be lived out in real time, that God may be glorified and the world may be blessed. Now in verse 10 it says, all of you stand today before the Lord your God, your leaders, and your tribes and your elders and your officers, all the men of Israel, your little ones and your wives, also the stranger who is in your camp, from the one who cuts your wood to the one who draws your water, that you may enter into covenant with the Lord your God and into his oath, which the Lord your God makes with you today. Verse 13, that he may establish you today as a people for himself and that he has spoken to you and just as he has sworn to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, I make a covenant and this oath not with you alone, but with him who stands here with us today before the Lord our God. Jesus is real. Pastor Daniel shared something today that can be hard to truly take hold of. The practice of waiting on the Lord to provide for your needs. That's tough. You want to be in control and be comfortable. Waiting gives you neither. But what blessings are found when you allow the Lord to take over? 
allowing him to provide exactly what he knows will bless you most. It's something the Israelites learned and something that can benefit every believer today. Everyone needs a little encouragement to get through their day, and we have a way to provide that for you. Pastor Daniel has some excellent advice, truth, and love to share in his two-minute messages available on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just go to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the social media links to find them. You won't be disappointed, and your day just might get a little brighter. Hey, everybody. This is Pastor Daniel Fusco from Jesus Is Real Radio. I'm so excited about what Jesus is doing through this ministry to change lives and restore His people. Would you consider partnering with us as we continue to share the message of Jesus here on Jesus Is Real Radio? You can find out more and donate securely online at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thank you for prayerfully considering this. God is putting together an incredible covenant with the people of Israel the people he rescued and sustained and continues to love despite their issues. This covenant is for everyone, not just those who look good or do good or fall into some select category. Pastor Daniel will tell you next time on Jesus Is Real Radio that this promise is for each individual man, woman, and child. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.